and welcome to episode number 28 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in the gaming industry. This week, we have two of those minds in Eric Ramsey and Adam Candy. Eric, it was uh, some things happened this week. I'm exhausted, man. It's only Thursday and I'm worn out from this week of news. We got we got plenty to talk about today. Adam, how is how are your wrists? Do you have carpal tunnel from all the typing you've been doing over the last few days? Gentlemen, I'm not going to lie. I'm actually posting a story while we can <laughs> As yeah. you should. As you should. I mean, I do not want to keep you from your duties of everything that goes on over at LegalSportsReport.com. Be sure and head over there for all the written uh, written versions of everything that we're going to talk about here. Of course, TheLines.com as well, OnlinePokerReport.com, and all of our sister sites out there doing a great job covering all the things that have been going on over the past week. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are on Spotify. We would love a rating. We would love a review. We would love a subscription. So please do all of those things and be kind. Even though Eric has an underscore in his Twitter handle, please okay. be kind and, and don't don't take it out on him, on our reviews just because Eric can't find a Twitter handle that doesn't have an underscore. Blame the other Eric Ramsey, right? Not me. Yeah, that's that's the way to look at this. Uh, quick hits as usual and then get into some really, really big topics here that happened this week. But let's uh, let's kick things off here, Eric, with you and talk some Colorado um, things. Looked like maybe there was a path to success there, but it looks like you're going to kind of pump the brakes there. Yeah, it may still get there. There's a a legislative effort to introduce sports betting legislation in Colorado. It's a bipartisan effort from two state representatives. Uh, They're working under a standing attorney general opinion that basically says sports betting is no different than horse and dog betting. So uh, would be would be authorized under the state constitution. But this group of lawmakers um, sort of out of respect for voters wants to leave it in voters hands. So the first time that could happen would be a statewide vote next year. Um, it doesn't really bode well. There's not a not a huge appetite for gambling in Colorado. It's limited to three small towns, and there's been a previous um, effort to expand that that was rejected. Of course, they do have DFS in Colorado, but only barely. Uh, it, it you know, right now sports betting looks like an underdog in the near future, but there's at least uh, an effort underway to to move forward. Yeah, Adam, I know a bunch of guys that live in Colorado. Actually, it's a very Hot, big hotbed for big DFS players and things like that. And I know they were pretty excited about this happening in Colorado because, you know, I, I it might have even been uh, us at LSR that, that, that brought it to light that there was at least a path to success there in getting that going. But I guess I can't really blame the, the, the lawmakers there in the, in the great state of Colorado. When you look at the history in Colorado, you see cautious legislators, cautious voters. You only have three casinos in remote areas, and those three casinos made it very clear through the Colorado Gaming Association that if the effort went through the legislature, they would fight it to make sure that they were the only ones who had the right to offer Colorado sports betting. And that's not really a path to success when you look at where the people are in the Denver metro area. So going slowly here, probably based on what they understand about who they're representing is a good play. So, Adam, uh, there's another state out there, Virginia, that uh, has some interesting stuff going on with them as well when it relates to sports betting. 
Yeah, state delegate in Virginia has announced his plans to put forward a sports betting bill that could get Virginia up and running within 2019. Now, they're going to join a number of other states that are trying to get something done legislatively in 2019. We haven't actually seen the bill yet, hasn't been pre-filed. But what's interesting there is you could see a race to the start line between Virginia and Washington, D.C. And we know how much overlap there is between the metro areas there. So Washington, D.C. has an effort going through the city council right now that's already had a hearing. They're looking at potentially spring for getting something passed and going and within the summer months being up and running. So you could have both Virginia and D.C. with sports betting pretty soon. Maryland looks to be a little bit lagging behind. They have some more complications with the state constitution there. Eric, we uh, listen, we understand that it is a, a, a small little addition to this great union of ours, but we are not going to get by here and not mention Rhode Island on this podcast. And Eric Ramsey, you are going to tell us what is going on in the great state yeah, of Rhode don't, Island. Don't you minimize the small states here. Our two smallest states in the union both have legalized sports betting. Of course, Delaware is live. The first one to go live after the Supreme Court ruling. Rhode Island is not yet live. Uh, the date kind of keeps sliding back a little bit. When they first uh, passed the law, they were eyeing up October 1st. Obviously, that didn't happen. Then November 1st. Here we are on November 1st, and it's not live yet. Uh, Still, last update, it sounds like we're still targeting sort of a mid-November, late-November launch. Uh, Remember, this is only two brick-and-mortar casinos on-site only. Um, But it is, you know, these are the – will be the the sports books to the Boston metropolitan area when they're up and running. So certainly some significance in the the region up there despite the size of the state. Adam Candy, how many times have you visited the great state of Rhode Island? Oh, you walked into a trap that time. My dad lived in Rhode Island for a while when I was growing up. I actually spent quite a bit of time in Providence. <laughs> oh no, I believe it. I, 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 you seem like a guy that's been to Rhode Island. When I, when I, when I look at you, I see a guy that's been there. The Rhode Island just sweats out of my pores. Clearly, Matt. Yeah, I mean, when I, when I saw Adam Candy, the first thing I said is like, I bet that guy's been to Rhode Island. Like I just, I really did. I, I, this is something that probably Delaware too. I would imagine. Looks like a Delaware guy too. Yeah. He's been there. He summered in Delaware, I think. Is what was <laughs> yeah, going on. summering in Delaware was part of the candy family tradition. <laughs> All right, let's, um, Adam. Let's, let's let's talk a little bit about Pennsylvania here. I mean, obviously, this is the this is the big in in our industry. This is the big state that everybody is watching. What's the latest coming out of there? So we have three more applications that are moving forward in Pennsylvania through the Pennsylvania Gaming Control Board for a total of five. But launch is not coming as quickly as was previously expected. There was a lot of talk about the November date being a possibility for Pennsylvania, and it's starting to look like this is going to get pushed into next year, perhaps first quarter, maybe even second quarter. So Pennsylvania, there's a chance, might miss out on an entire football season. And beyond that football season, also allow New Jersey to become a pretty mature market before Pennsylvania really gets in on things here. And I know Eric can probably add a little bit to that as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously most of the attention these days is, is turning to Pennsylvania. It's going to be, uh, you know, the most populous state with sports betting. It's in a, a great spot. Obviously one little interesting tidbit that did come from the meeting this week is that the executive director 
there's not another meeting till November 28th, but the executive director basically asked for permission to approve these operators prior to or surrounding the meeting, and the board said he could. So essentially, if an operator does come forward that meets all of their requirements, there could theoretically be approval before the meeting in November. Most operators we're talking to are are targeting sort of December, maybe Q1 next year. The good, the only silver lining here is that since they're trying to online gambling and sports betting together, some of these operators will be able to launch their full suite of products at the same time. Thinking of guys like Caesars and Parks that are planning to do all verticals, there's a chance we could roll this all out at once together. Um, you know, maybe around the first of the year. Yeah, this was this is certainly the talk um, even even around, you know, people super involved around here. I've talked to in the last couple of days here, just people who are, you know, invested in the industry and whatnot. And the first question I keep getting asked is, you know, what, what the hell is going on with Pennsylvania? It seems like everybody is kind of waiting on pins and needles for Pennsylvania because, you know, it is a, a super key state. Like you mentioned, Eric, when it comes to population, I mean, this is the we, we again, obviously, we don't know how to project revenue here because we were, you know, I, I set the line at two hundred ninety five and a half million or whatever <laughs> it was. But it, but it seems like the, you know, the the potential here for this state, especially considering it's it's outside of just strictly uh, sports betting as well. I mean, obviously, they're looking at, at poker and casino and, and, and whatnot, that this could be just an, an incredibly lucrative state. Yeah, the poker and casino side of things are especially relevant with the proximity to New Jersey, which has, you know, a very mature online gambling industry. But also, you know, we just think of the sports landscape in that little corner of the country with the New York area and Philadelphia uh, and the Jersey teams. It's just it's just such a ripe area for sports betting. And um, I as I sit here and record this from beautiful Biloxi, Mississippi, down here checking out the you know, newly legalized sports books, went around, did, did a tour last night, went to each and every one of them and saw what they had to offer. And uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, a lot of them are taking the approach, which we've talked about on this podcast before, of the more casual kind of living room type feel. One of them is basically just nothing more than a, a restaurant even. And, uh, you know, just a bunch of tables where you eat and sit there and watch the games and, and, and everything like that. The reason I bring up that I am down here because I will be leaving here to head over to Louisiana. And in Louisiana, there will actually be a measure on the ballot on Tuesday whether they are going to allow daily fantasy sports for money. It is a parish-by-parish parish vote. So if you are unfamiliar with how Louisiana works, you live in a county in Louisiana, you live in a parish. And in a parish is, you know, listen, it, it, it is one of those things where, yeah, it could get weird if some of these parishes don't, you know, vote for it or whatever. But that being said, the majority of the population is in, you know, very small amount of the parishes. I mean, the it, when you look at the concentration of population in Louisiana, you're talking, you know, Shreveport, Lafayette, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, and and that's about it when it comes to, you know, the, the bigger cities within the state and stuff like that. So uh, pretty interesting, though, Adam. I mean, this is I think this is probably kind of the litmus test, too, as to whether we will see anything going on in Louisiana for sports betting as well, because if this if they can't pass daily fantasy sports, it seems like it's going to be pretty, pretty difficult to pass sports betting because it, it will have to go through the same process. That's the sense we got from the article we had at LSR this week. Nick Garcia wrote a piece on that upcoming referendum. And the other interesting part I think we saw that came out was 
FanDuel putting about $150,000 behind an effort to get people to vote in favor of that behind a shell group, as it were. But legislators are definitely keeping a close eye on how this goes to decide whether or not they want to try to move forward with sports betting. And as you're seeing right now, being in Mississippi, I mean, that state has a stranglehold on the South at the moment. Where I think that Mississippi is leaving the door open right now, and you can probably speak more to this being there, is the fact that Mississippi still doesn't have mobile. And they're giving a lot of opportunity, I think, right now by limiting it to just the physical sports books. Yeah, absolutely. I did um, a couple of the sports books I went to. I did see the betting kiosks. So they do have the kiosks set up here for uh, wagering, but of course, not actual mobile quite yet. I know that. It is certainly in the process of getting done, but yeah, this is something that they are very excited about as well. I mean, you know, this, uh, for example, this football game this weekend, you talk about being down here in the South and, you know, Alabama is playing LSU. That is the number one team versus the number three team in the country. You have Mississippi that is sandwiched between the two states. So obviously these are the two biggest handled teams in college football as far as Mississippi goes. And I mean, they are literally worried about how they're going to be able to process all the bets for this game because they are they are they are actually afraid that they are going to have to turn people away because of the you know, there is still limited counter space. Right. I mean, there's only so many windows that they have. There's only so many kiosks that are set up down here and the you know projected amount of people that they're thinking are going to be interested in placing a wager on this Alabama LSU game is, you know, astronomical. And so without mobile, a very simple thing would be, you know, oh, I, I just get to the casino. I can place my wager on my on my cell phone. But without having that, I think that they're going to, you know, they're going to leave a lot of money on the table this weekend for sure. Yeah, no question about it. And I know that that's something that was written into the rules in Mississippi at the start. You have to understand also how Mississippi came to this and why they're going to maybe proceed a little slower on mobile. The prohibition on sports betting in Mississippi was very quietly removed in the DFS bill in 2017. So I think legislators and the Mississippi Gaming Commission are treading a little bit cautiously right now to try not to make too much change too fast. Absolutely. Eric, we were talking about Nevada, and whenever we saw these numbers coming out of New Jersey, we started to think, man, I wonder how long it's going to take for, for them to overtake Nevada. And then... We take a look at these numbers as they come out, and the answer is not anytime soon. We were, I think we were getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but Vegas proved that it is still king. I know, again, being a little too bullish on New Jersey, we, you know, we thought maybe, maybe even this year, New Jersey handle could, could exceed Nevada. That looks like a long now. Uh, Nevada is a little behind reporting, so we have September numbers, uh, best month in Nevada history, as far as we can tell, as far as back as our records go, which is uh, many, many years. We haven't seen a month this big, 571 million in total betting tickets, uh, about 56 million in revenue for the start of football season. The vast majority, uh, you know, more than two thirds of it is attributable to football books that are doing really well on football. So far holding more than 11% of bets. Um, yeah, you know, there was not concern, but there were some suggestions that the Nevada industry may, may suffer a little bit as, as sports betting expands elsewhere. But um, hard to make that case now with a, with a record-setting September out there. 
Adam, you looked at these numbers when they came out, and I mean, I honestly, for me, it was it was pretty shocking for me to see this number here. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, maybe the awareness of sports betting getting legalized. I mean, I think this is maybe an angle that we probably should have talked about at least on this podcast already till now is just the fact that with it being legalized in, you know, in other jurisdictions and even the talk of it being legalized in other jurisdictions, that it could actually be a really great thing for Las Vegas because the awareness of sports betting, it's all it's in the forefront now. There's more people who are thinking about sports betting who want to sports bet. So when they do make that trek to Las Vegas, maybe some people who normally were completely reserved for the craps tables or the or the shows or the restaurants might be stopping by the sports books these days and, and dropping some money on a game. I think we have to look at who's betting as well. I think that the assumption that other states were going to pull away from Las Vegas is on the assumption that there are only so many people interested in sports betting. Well, that's getting blown out of the water right now. We're showing that you increase the number of players, you increase the number of bets, that there are a lot of people who were not able to wager legally in the past in New Jersey and in other states who now are able to do it. And that's not hurting Las Vegas. You're exactly right. The awareness of legal sports betting isn't going to hurt Nevada. And that's what the books here have been saying right from the beginning. Now, of course, that you know you wouldn't expect them to say otherwise. But you look at this month, which is the biggest in the history of Nevada dating back to, I believe, 1984 is when the figures that we have go back to. That's unbelievable. And it's not like it's so unsustainable that – you can say, oh, well, it was a one-month spike, it's around the Super Bowl, it's this or that. No, this is just the first full month of NFL and college football where, as Eric mentioned, two out of every three bets were placed on the gridiron. So I think it's hopeful for Nevada, but I also don't think it's anything against the other states that have started sports betting. You're expanding the universe and you're getting more people involved. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is uh, I think this is pretty cool, actually, because I think what this does show in my very unscientific poll here that is going on is just that the the increased awareness nationwide is actually just pouring into more people wanting action on things and more people wanting to put put a little bit of money down on a game. And again, that's uh, nothing wrong with that. It certainly makes the experience better whenever you're watching. Now, that being said, those numbers were for September. What we have seen here in uh, in October were, was the fact that, you know, the football gods were going to punish the, the books a little bit so far. I mean, this is a scenario where a lot of the games, and I mean a lot of the games, were going against the books, the teams that they need. I mean, you hear this all the time, like the books need team X, Y, or Z, and those were just not coming through for the books over the last couple of weeks. Uh, two two weeks back-to-back, -back, uh, Adam, where it has been just um, absolutely brutal for the books. You know, it's interesting. All the attention focused on – Todd Gurley going down before the end zone, but it was so much more than that. That certainly would have helped the books, but there was a lot more to it. I mean, FanDuel told us all that this was the worst weekend they've had since they opened up uh, their sports betting operation. And they pointed at two games that I actually got a really good laugh out of uh, the Colts and the Redskins, because who's on the other side of those games, the Raiders and the Giants. And at this point, if you haven't learned not to bet on the Raiders and the Giants, <laughs> well, 
Look at what people have. They have. They've learned. They they are hard on the other side. So it, yeah, it was a brutal weekend uh, for the books, but obviously there was a lot of action as well. And FanDuel especially is taking some really big hits. They paid out uh, 300k on a couple of college football parlays, an eight team and a ten team. This past weekend, they uh, the World Series. They took a bath on that. A six figure loss for them. Someone bet the whole NBA board last week and won 86k on a 200 dollar parlay. Uh, yeah, they're taking taking some pretty big hits these days. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's every now and then. Every now and then they are going to uh, they're they're going to take hits here. But I mean, as we talked about before, there's a reason they're advertising these these bets and different things like that because you know these big parlays do not pay off very often. So they they'll gladly take your parlay bets. Is basically where I'm going with this. Yeah, well, I don't have the number handy, but it, you know, going back to Nevada, they they held something like 60 percent on 11 million in parlay bets uh, in September. <laughs> so it's their favorite thing in the world, obviously. Six seven. Yeah, there you go. Except was the number on parlays. <laughs> it's just absurd. And people still bet them with a giant smile on their face. I mean, you should cool. see how happy it is when they when they when they pluck down that hundred bucks on that chance to win nine grand. You should just see the look on their face. I'm telling you. Or my face. I'm one of those parlay bettors too. They're the most <laughs> exciting. They're the, the the biggest, the worst bet, and the most exciting way to bet sports by a mile. It is. It is. Um, so we are less than a month away from the. I would have used to have said the big Tiger versus Phil matchup, but I don't really feel like it's a big Tiger versus Phil matchup anymore, Eric. I mean, you know, you and I certainly will watch it. You and I will certainly, you know, have a have an interest in that because we're just those type of people. But, you know, I feel like this thing with the way that they've handled it and how things are, you know, how it's going to be televised and yada, yada, yada. I think that it has really, really let some of the air out of the balloon of this thing. It's well now I'm more let out than I was before. I'm still fairly excited about it, but yeah, they're not maybe not doing as much as they could do with it. If you guys don't know, November 23rd, the day after Thanksgiving, Tiger and Phil playing a nine million dollar head golf match in Las Vegas. Um, HBO is you know covering their 24/7 program. The two guys are kind of chirping on social media about the matchup. Um, sports books are going to have a blast with it. Uh, you know. I'm still still excited. I'm not going to let you rain on my parade too much. I've been looking forward to this for a couple months, and I'm <laughs> I'm going to keep right on looking forward to it, Matt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, it's you know it's going to be more of a a, a betting event, I think, than than even a spectator event. And I don't know how many casuals are going to pluck down the 1999 to to take a look at this. To be perfectly honest with you, but Adam, I mean, you know, one of the things that we look at from a betting aspect is since they know so far in advance what's going on, they know the players, obviously they know the course and the holes. So there's going to be, you know, individual hole props. There's going to be all kinds of things like that going on. I mean, I guess from a, I guess the most interest I have in this at this point is to see how the books handle the betting aspect of it, because I think that it's kind of a sign of things to come in the future, especially for golf, where I think we've all agreed on this podcast several times where golf has a a very interesting spot where they're able to do, you know, in play and I think capture some some new audience because there is, you know, by the time a guy tees off and the time he hits his second shot is, is a few minutes. And so there's, there's plenty of time to put up some sort of prop bet as to, you know, will the next shot be within 15 feet of the hole of the hole or whatever and things like that. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how the books handle this. Cause I think this is kind of a test run as to how they might handle the PGA in the future. 
I know you've been an evangelist for golf as a great in-play sport for, for quite a long time. And, you know, I, I covered golf uh, as a beat in another lifetime. And there's a little bit of a feeling of, of Mayweather Pacquiao out of this for me. Like, this is fantastic. I would love to have seen it 10 years ago. Um, and we're yeah. you know, going to have an opportunity to, to you know, I guess, enjoy it. Uh, I'm not going to be one putting the $20 down. But if you guys get it, I'll come on over. Um, but I think that the opportunity here for testing the in-play out in a low-stakes setting is exactly what golf needs. Because you can do this in a setting that is, yeah, for money, essentially just for fun. And you don't have the integrity concerns that some might raise around uh, PGA tour event. So if you can do it now, then I think you can do it later and you show people how successful it can be. And I think that that's exactly where the opportunity is for this as well. And I'll say as someone living in Las Vegas, I said, I wasn't going to plunk down the money for the pay-per-view, but if they did let people on the course, I definitely would have paid for a ticket to go out there. But of course, no one will be allowed out on the course either. Yeah, that is just a, a complete bummer from the fan experience for sure. But uh, I am very interested. I have talked to a couple of different sportsbook directors who kind of gave me an idea of what they're thinking about for this. And it's kind of what we're talking about. You know, obviously each individual hole will have some sort of handicap for each player. Sometimes there will be even, you know, like, like little mini contests within the deal, you know, who will be the first to be, you know, two up, who will be the first to be, you know, if, you know, stuff like that. So there'll be all kind of little mini contests within the major contest as well. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun to uh, see the betting aspect on everything. And the golf is going to be great. Obviously tiger's in pretty good form right now and Phil not so great. But it's match play. Anything can happen. These have a dynamic relationship on and off the course. It'll, it's going to be entertaining. Don't you worry too much about it. Yes, definitely. One hundred percent. OK, heading into our real big stories of the week here, guys. I mean, we were teased on this at the end of last week and woke up to a major, major partnership announcement, Eric, with MGM yet again. Yep, number two for MGM. They are now the official partner for the NHL. Uh, remember, they announced a similar deal with the NBA a couple months ago. Uh, NHL and MGM do have a longstanding relationship. This is obviously a big expansion of it. It includes uh, the use of logos and official league data, potentially some next-gen data that NHL is developing. Um, we don't know the financial, but you know that NBA deal was rumored at $25 million, so kind of use that as maybe a starting point. Um yeah, it's, you know, obviously a huge, huge announcement as as Dustin uh, recorded on audio there. It really bucks the idea that sports leagues aren't going to profit directly from sports betting, whether or not there are integrity fees or data fees. There are plenty of opportunities for partnerships like this. Um, and even, you know, kudos to Gary Bettman for his quote during this during the announcement. I believe that there was an opportunity here since it was happening anyway. But more importantly, to the extent that this may provide a vehicle to fan engagement and connectivity, it's something that we had to embrace. So those are all the right words from Bettman about the reasons to do this. Adam, looking at this and it's. It's one of those things when we announced, I think, just last week on here, just two weeks ago, I guess, at this point, that the Vegas Golden Knights had formed a partnership with William Hill. And this is as they play in the MGM owned T-Mobile arena. It almost as if the uh, it's almost as if MGM kind of gave them a middle finger. It's like, okay, you guys want to you want to partner with William Hill? That's fine. We're just going to partner with the whole friggin league. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is a huge one up uh, for MGM. And we know that MGM already has its deal with the NBA. MGM also announced a partnership uh, this week with the New York Jets that we'll get to talking about. But, you know, for the NHL, it's so interesting. This is such a 180 from from where the NHL was, uh, you know, as one of the litigants in the, in the Murphy NCAA case. But as Eric said, kudos to Gary Bettman for being very honest when someone asked him what changed. And he just said the Supreme Court, like he's a realist. He realizes that this is the way it's going. They're not going to continue to fight it. And also give the NHL credit for this. Gary Bettman shoved the integrity fee right down into the garbage can. They're not in on this. So Major League Baseball and the NBA are going to be out on the island fighting for the integrity fee in state houses this year uh, because the NHL has already moved on. And rightfully so and smart on their side to do so because, again, we've talked about this several times on here that the NHL, I think, is another one of those sports that has the most to gain from all of this. I mean, they are a distant number four when we talk about the big four sports in the, the United States. And so I, I think if you're if you are Gary Bettman, you probably sit back and I'm sure he had some conversations with some people and they said, man, look. This can only help us. This can only be good for us. I do not understand in any way, shape, or form why we would not fully embrace this with open arms. And, you know, Eric, again, like you said, uh, you know, hats off to him because at the end of the day, uh, cool. I'm, I'm going to say like, you know, I'm not going to say that he, you know, he, he did this all on his own. I feel this was probably someone who came to him and, and, and did a sales pitch or whatever, but he at least was able to change his mind. He at least was able to understand that this is probably the right and the best path for his league. On the the hierarchy of ambition for sports betting among commissioners, we sort of see Adam Silver as the on the leading edge, the more progressive end. And I mean, honestly, Bettman as sort of the the one lagging behind as the most the more conservative of the bunch. Um, apparently, that's not the case anymore. Yeah. You know, this is pretty sharp. I wonder, you know, just kind of thinking out loud how, whether or not this happens without a Vegas franchise that was successful in Las Vegas last year. Um, that certainly would have shown the league what betting interest and team success can do for the for the league. But, um, yeah, if, if any like you said, if any league, if any of the pro leagues needs the sports betting bump, it's NHL. Yeah, definitely feeling Feeling very interested to see how uh, how MGM continues to go here. I mean, it seems like there's a pattern. It looks like they are trying to go after these leagues. And so, I'm, you know, is it is it golf next? Is it whatever? It's going to be pretty interesting to see how they continue. Uh, Adam, we had another very, very big partnership announcement this time with Caesars, who actually has... One of those one of those properties that you know we haven't talked about a, a ton here on this podcast. I mean, it seems like we talk about basically everybody else other than Caesars a lot, but Caesars did make some noise this week. Caesars made noise even just uh, right before we recorded here as they hooked up with the new Las Vegas Raiders Stadium where they're going to have a huge presence. Now, to be clear, it's not the naming rights to the Las Vegas Stadium. It is going to be a lot of branded elements, including a suite at the 50-yard line, including a separate branded entrance, uh, some VIP amenities and, and things like that. And Caesars also jumped in with the New Jersey Devils and the Philadelphia 76ers for a partnership in those arenas as well. Now, there's a natural connection there between Josh Harris, the owner of the Devils and the Sixers with his private equity group 
uh, Allo, they have an interest in Caesars. They were, of course, in, uh, one, the ones who were participating in that leverage buyout about 10 years ago with Caesars. So there's a natural connection there. But I think we got focused on MGM because they jumped out there with the NBA. They also have the market access deal with Boyd. So MGM and Boyd kind of made their place in the national market. And we kept waiting to see where Caesars was fit into everything. I mean, they have presence in New Jersey and Mississippi, but nothing national that kind of went on the same scale as what we saw with MGM. And still, really, we're, we're still left waiting for that, but we also are starting to see what their plans are and where they might fit into the landscape. Eric, when when this deal came through, I mean, this was one of those uh, this is one of those partnerships where you look and you know, if you and I being poker people, this isn't even out of the ordinary for the 76ers and whatnot because they even they they had actually had gaming partnerships before. Yeah, remember the the party poker deal that I believe both teams had signage in the arena. I remember seeing the party poker logo on the 76ers floor and uh, yeah, and on the dashboards in the Prudential Center, too. Um, and also, you know, we're very familiar with this on site presence from the DFF world back in the marketing blitz from FanDuel and DraftKings. They were scooping up real estate inside of stadiums and arenas around the country and partnerships with teams and things like that. So this is something that the sports speculation industry is already well familiar with now sports betting is jumping into it. Um, yeah, and this deal in New Jersey especially is big for Caesars. Similar to William Hill, they will have a branded presence inside Prudential Center. Uh, a little, I'm a little curious how this is going to work because the press all mentioned specifically promoting the non-sportsbook elements of Caesars, but they're also viewing this as a way to introduce fans to the sports betting experience. So it'd be a little interesting to see how we walk that line between promotion and of sports betting inside the arena. Um, but yeah, two, two more in arena deals for Caesars here. And back to MGM. We talked about the NHL partnership that MGM did. And then I can't, it, it was, I, I don't remember if it was before or after that this was announced, but <laughs> Eric, they come in and they come with a new New York jets partnership here, but they were the second to the table with the jets here. Yeah, we've had partnerships every we're on the fourth day of this week. We had partnerships every single morning when we've woken up. Uh, Jets were on Wednesday, maybe. Yeah, yesterday uh, they signed with 888 as an official casino sponsor. Uh, 888, of course, is an online casino based in New Jersey. Um, that is just a straight sponsorship deal. Uh, the new deal announced more recently with MGM is an actual full partnership Uh MGM is building a predictive in-play game for the Jets' official app. They're going to sponsor the multimedia studio and the multimedia coverage. You're going to see MGM ads in the stadium and on the broadcast. Um, Jets ticket holders will get some special perks at MGM properties and things like that. So Jets, yeah, we're talking about MGM here, but Jets actually scooped up two partners this week. And Adam, I think what we're seeing here as well with these teams is obviously it's it's no secret whenever you look, okay, 76ers located in Pennsylvania, the Devils, New Jersey, the Jets, New Jersey, New York, whatever. Um, I think what we're seeing here is also it is a big, big bonus to be a sports team in a sports betting friendly either either immediate market or, you know, a periphery market. If you happen to be a bordering state or something like that, uh, your, your franchise now just has opened up the doors to an exponentially wider range of revenue potential, just strictly by lawmakers having passed sports betting, you know, in your state and or a bordering state for you. 
there's a win-win for the operators and the franchises in these states. You're absolutely right. It is Boone in New Jersey, soon in Pennsylvania and wherever else this happens to you know take hold where we have major professional sports franchises. And you can look at it in, in a couple of different ways. You look at it from the perspective of the operators. We know that mobile is the future. You can look at New Jersey and see that in New Jersey, mobile already has surpassed land-based revenue. That happened in September. And look at the William Hill deals and look at the Caesars deal, and you see that they're not going to go ahead and put a physical sportsbook inside the arena. And as Gary Bettman said, why? Everyone's betting on their phone anyway. So for the operators, this is a brilliant chance to push their mobile apps. And this is a brilliant chance to grow market share uh, in terms of mobile. And you know, from the team perspective, yeah, they're, they're being handed dollars by companies that were not available to them as recently as a few months ago. And now that the leagues have seen fit to say, no, go make your deals and, and go get that cash how you can, now we see the p- potential for teams to do this nationwide as soon as their states come online. Absolutely. And we can – we can feel the effort that MGM is putting into this, but it, they just held their earnings call this week and actually talked about it. The CEO said they're still in discussion with, quote, a vast number of other teams. So, uh, yeah, expect MGM to, to keep uh, leading this charge. Yeah. And if you are, you know, if you're the owner of the, the Detroit Lions or if you're, you know, if you're the Chicago Bears or something like that, you're probably putting in a couple of phone calls to your to your guys saying like, hey, let's uh. Let's go ahead and shove this through in 2019. How about it? Let's uh, let's go ahead and do this. Let's uh, let's get this going here. Yeah, there's even, you know, the stage is already being set a little bit. We talked about Horseshoe Baltimore and the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, sports betting not legal in Maryland, but that's sort of a placeholder deal for that. There's also a relationship in Louisiana, which we talked about between Harris, New Orleans and the New Orleans Saints. So there are some of these some of these little placeholder deal deals in place in markets without sports betting, too. So we've had a really happy podcast up until this point, Eric. Like everything Ugh. has been everything's been happy. We like to talk about how everything's going great and you know, sometimes everything doesn't always go great. And so tell us about DFS in New York because we I, and I hate that we have to end this thing on a downer, but it <laughs> is what it is. We are here to inform the people the reason you guys listen, you want to know what's going on in this week in gambling. So here it is, Eric. What's going on with DFS in New York? It's too bad my fellow New Yorker Brett Colson isn't with us uh, this week to to commiserate here. But yeah, uh, long story short, the the fate of fantasy sports in New York is uh, in a little bit of jeopardy. All of a sudden, uh, it's a little complicated. I'll try to give you the the backstory quickly here. Uh, back in 2015, the Attorney General, his name's Eric Schneiderman, he shut down the DFS sites as gambling. Uh, courts ruled. Uh, against the operators, made them temporarily pull the plug. It didn't last long, though. Uh, the year after that, lawmakers very quickly passed an enabling law that carved out DFS as a game of skill under New York law. Um, so operators were allowed back into the state then, and they've been serving the state since 2016. Uh, after that law was passed, though, an anti-gambling group led by our friend Les Bernal, uh, it's called Stop Predatory Gambling, filed suit against the law basically arguing that the legislature did not have the authority to expand gambling. Um, they view DFS as a form of gambling, and that requires a voter voter referendum. So that lawsuit, two years later, has finally reached its first decision with the courts ruling in favor of the anti-gambling group. Um, so you know, this could put the future in jeopardy. It, nothing will change in the short term. Uh, the, the cases against the state 
the state will appeal. It will automatically receive a stay on the injunction. So the sites will continue to operate. It's going to shake out through courts for the next couple years. It'll be a long process. But this, you know, basically this matter that we thought was settled is suddenly reopened with some some troubling prospect future. Adam, we were having such a good podcast. Why we let this guy on here, bringing the bad I'm news? Sorry, and guys. Stuff. Like you think it's bad news for you? I'm the one here in New York that has to deal with it. <laughs> oh no, I'm so sorry to hear that, Eric. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I mean, we can kick him out next week and have an all happy podcast. What do you I, think about? I that? forget that I'm talking to two guys who live in a state without fantasy sports as well. So we'll, we'll all be in the same boat if this goes if this goes to completion. Unfortunately, I mean, if if I, I guess what we can say to this is Chris Grove, obviously, very much very much smarter than all of us when it comes to this stuff. He thinks that this is basically just, uh, just something that is, is non actionable, at least for the time being, I've seen him kind of go back and forth with people on Twitter and his, his, of his opinion that this could, if anything, like drag out in the courts for several years, even. Yeah, it does. You know, it's a little interesting in the context of sports betting as New York is one of the States trying to move towards that. But from where I sit, it looks to me like the state is pretty incentivized to keep fantasy sports industry rolling. They make about five million a year in tax revenue from DFS. And yeah, Gary Pretlow, our, our gaming legislation friend in New York, called this uh, ruling ridiculous. So <laughs> sounds like lawmakers are going to work to fight this court ruling. Man, next time we're going to put the sad stuff at the top. We're going to yeah, we're we're gonna, yeah, we we're definitely yeah. should have flipped it. Yeah, we're just going to put the sad stuff at the top and then come with all the good stuff at the end. I feel like we let I feel like we almost let the listeners down here. I oh, feel like man. we I feel like we almost did. Adam, do we have any ha- any happy news we can just throw in here? Yeah, I was going to say, Adam, like, like, do something funny. Like, tell someone a joke or something. I mean, you know, let's let's end this thing on a, on a, on a, on a good note here. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to tell anybody anything funny. I'm going to say. To all of you out there who believed in Fitz magic, or more importantly, who had the bucks at the point, <laughs> you had a little something happy happen this week, didn't you? Good <laughs> on you. Oh, man. Guys, it has been fun. Thanks for listening to episode number 28 here again. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are on Spotify. If we, if we have done anything here that makes you want to listen again we would really appreciate a subscription we'd really appreciate a rating a review all the different things like that because it certainly helps us spread the good word here that what we are trying to do on this podcast um eric if they want to find you on the twitter machine how do they do that at eric underscore rams and if they want to find you mr candy adam candy two e's not a y you can find all of our written content, LegalSportsReport.com, OnlinePokerReport.com, TheLines.com. Be sure and go and get all of that news as the week progresses. We appreciate that as well. Guys, if you want to follow me, I am at Matt Brown M 2 We will see you guys next week. Yeah.